I'm going to invite everyone to go ahead, turn in your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 12. Today we're starting a new series called Heart Check. Heart Check. Three-part series, Heart Check. And um, I, I literally listened to millions of songs this last week to try and find a theme song for this series. And there was no song that could quite capture it other than Don Johnson's Heartbeat from 1986. I know him better as Sonny Crockett from Miami Vice. So over the next three weeks, whenever you hear that song, Heartbeat, you know that it's time for a heart check. You know, I really believe that God is doing something new here at King's Corner. How many of you believe that God is doing something new here? I believe that God is going to take us to some places in Him and in the Holy Spirit that we've never been before in identity and healing and freedom and power. And I really believe that this series is about preparing us for that, that God wants us to do a heart check with the Holy Spirit to make sure that we're ready to step into these new places where God's taken us. Does that sound okay? Mark chapter 12, verse 28 to 31 says, one of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well. So he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel. Listen, people of God. The Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord our God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Our first heart check is about loving God. Do we actually love God the way that we're commanded to? Do we love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength? Amen. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for your presence here today. I thank you so much, God, for being faithful, for meeting with us. And God, I just, I just believe that some strongholds are going to come down this morning in Jesus' name. And so I just declare that your word is going to do that. And it will not return void, but it's going to accomplish the purpose for which it was sent this morning. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let's first understand what it means. What does that mean to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength? What does that look like? Okay, and then after we talk about what that means, what that looks like, then I want to talk about how do we do that, all right? I just want to make sure you're ready to come with me. Are you ready? Okay, so let's begin with the heart. Let's begin with loving God with all of our heart. Loving God with all of our heart is to love him 
at our core, to long for him in the deepest recesses of our being. I love Psalm 63, verse 1. Oh God, you are my God. With deepest longing, I will seek you. My soul, my life, my very self thirsts for you. My flesh longs and sighs, sighs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Look at Psalm 42, verse 1 and 2. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go meet with God? See, when you love God with all your heart, he is the absolute love of your life. Is God the love of your life this morning? Amen. He's first. There's nothing above him. There's nothing more pleasing, more exciting, more intoxicating in all of your life than him. And you find yourself asking that same question that David asked, when can I meet with him? When can I be with the one who loves me the most in this world? I remember when I was first dating my wife, Charity, and I was first beginning to just fall in love with her, that, that I would just start to ask that question every day. And, and I was working in Saskatoon when we started dating, and, and I'd be working, and, and uh, a song would come on the radio, a love song, maybe a little Ario Speedwagon or something like that, maybe a little Lady in Red. And I'd hear that song, those songs, and my heart would start to jump. And I'd start to ask myself over and over again, ah, oh, when can I see her again? When can I go meet with the woman that I love? See, there's passion with the love of your life, amen? There's a passion there. Loving God with all your heart means a passionate relationship with him, being zealous for him, for his presence, for his affection. Song of Solomon, chapter one, verses one to four says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfume. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the young women love you. Take me away with you. Let us hurry. Let the king bring me into his chambers. You're going to tell me there's no passion in the word of God? That's passion. Loving God with our heart means intimacy with the king. There's no greater intimacy than in his chambers. In the holy of holies, in the presence of the most high God. You know, that metaphor of sex, it suggests that, that when we're with him in his chambers, that we're naked before him, that there's nothing to hide, that you're at your most vulnerable. A heart relationship with God is about being fully known by him and fully loved by him. 
How many of you know this morning that you are fully known and you are fully loved by him? Hallelujah. It's giving God access to every place of your heart and whole being, trusting him with every part of you, good and bad. So loving God with all of our heart, it's an honest, it's a, it's a desiring, it's a deep longing, it's a passionate love. That's what that means, to love him with all our heart. To love God with all of our soul. I'm going to talk about our soul and our mind together. So to love God with all of our soul, it means to surrender. That's what it means to love him with our soul. To come fully agreement. To come fully into agreement with God and his word. It's surrendering our mind, our will, and our emotions to God. It's bringing our thoughts in line with God's way of thinking. It's renewing our minds to God's word. It's laying down your belief systems and your perspectives on God and life and people for his. It's giving God your mouth and your tongue and your words. How many of you have done that lately? It's giving, it's submission of your will and your plans and what you want. For his will and his plans and what, he's, and what he wants. It's choosing to lay down self. It's choosing to be that living sacrifice for God. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2. Brothers and sisters, God has shown you his mercy. How many of you has God shown you his mercy? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I'm asking you, Paul says, I'm asking you to, to offer up your bodies to him while you're still alive. Your bodies are a holy sacrifice that is pleasing to God. When you offer your bodies to God, you're, you're worshiping him in the right way. Don't live the way the world lives. Let your way of thinking be completely changed. Lots of us know the King James version of that, right? By be, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test what God wants for you. And watch this. And you will agree that what he wants is right. His plan is good and pleasing and perfect. See, renewing our minds with the word of God allows us to love God the way that we're called to. It brings us into agreement with God's will for us what is right, and that brings us into obedience. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verses 15 and 23 and 24, he said, if you love me, obey my commandments. Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them and will come and, and make, our, I'm gonna try that again. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from my Father who sent me. See, when we renew our minds with God's word, it's going to bring us into obedience. And by obeying God, we are loving God. This is how we love God. 
with our soul, and with our mind. Another part of loving God with our soul is bringing God a sacrifice of praise. Many of you brought a sacrifice of praise this morning. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. How many of you know that sometimes you don't feel like praising? Is that true? That sometimes because we live in a fallen world that we get discouraged and it can be depressing and it can be stressful and sometimes the weight of that weighs on our souls. And the problems and troubles of life can discourage us from loving God and worshiping him. So loving God with our souls is actually making a choice. It's choosing to love him and choosing to worship him even when we don't feel like it. Because he's worthy. David showed us how to do this, right? Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. David tells his soul to worship God. Didn't we just do that? Didn't we just tell our soul to worship God? Sometimes you've got to talk to your soul. Look at Psalm 42, verse 11. David talking again, he says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. He's talking to his soul. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Hallelujah. David's telling his soul, you need to get up. You need to start worshiping. You got to start praising because our Savior, he's worth it. David's literally telling his soul to love God in the middle of the mess. David's homeless and he's on the run and people are trying to kill him. And his soul is down, he's depressed, he's discouraged. But he talks his soul into loving God and worshiping God. He made a choice to worship. I call that valley praise. Valley praise. How many of you know that everyone can worship God when they're on the mountain? But I think heaven pays attention when we start to give him worship and praise. When things are not going our way. When we're walking through the valley. God honors that and he sees that. Think of Paul and Silas, they're unjustly prisoned, they're beaten, they're chained, they're in the valley. Do you know why they were imprisoned? Because they freed a girl from demon possession. (laughs) How's that for doing the the Lord's work? Yet they chose to worship at the midnight hour 
They worshiped until the chains were broken and the prison doors were open. They raised a hallelujah in the presence of their enemies. And what happened? Heaven came to fight for them. I wonder if you came here this morning and you're in the valley, but you still chose to worship God and love him and praise him. And I wonder in that praise and that worship if some chains were broken this morning because you told your soul to bless the Lord. And I wonder if some prison doors were open this morning because you offered that sacrifice of praise. And I wonder if heaven came to fight for you today. Hallelujah. Because you decided to worship God and praise God in the valley. See, loving God with our soul, it's making a choice to raise a hallelujah. No matter what the circumstances are on the mountain or in the valley, whether we feel like it or not. Because our God is worthy. Amen? Because God showed us his mercy. Because Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. And that means we're alive. Right, Stacy? And loving God with all of our strength. That's the pursuit. That's the pursuit. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Song of Solomon, chapter 3. Spend a lot of time in Song of Solomon. No, I don't. (laughs) Verses 1 to (laughs) 4. All night long on my bed, I looked for the one my heart loves. I looked for him, but did not find him. I'll get up now and go about the city through its streets and squares. I'll search for the one my heart loves. So I looked for him, but did not find him. The watchmen found me as they made their rounds in the city. Have you seen the one my heart loves? Scarcely had I passed them when I found the one my heart loves. I held him and would not let him go till I had brought him to my mother's house, to the room of the one who conceived me. That's pursuit. That's loving God with all your strength. How many of you know that God pursued you? And now by loving him, we're pursuing him right back. I remember the first time. Pastor Phil, do you remember the first time you met Stacy? You remember that? He just went, mm. You know, our worship team, I think our worship team is so cool, but don't you think Pastor Phil just added some coolness? I don't know how that happened, but he just, he just added coolness. He made it more cool somehow. Anyway, I remember, I remember the first time that I met my wife, and let me tell you, The pursuit was on. So I did what anyone would naturally do. I crashed her sister's wedding. 
because I needed to see her again. I was not invited. <laughs> but I went to the reception. I kind of snuck in around 10 o'clock at night because I had to dance with this girl. And so I snuck in. I was kind of kind of staying in the corners, kind of in the shadows because I wasn't invited. I don't know if I mentioned that part. <laughs> and I was waiting for my chance. I was like, I was like a predator looking through the, the, long, the long grass. That, that came off creepy, but listen, it was, more, it was more romantic than that in my head, but I was just like, hmm, waiting for my chance, no. And, and all of a sudden, there it was. Everything I Do by Brian Adams came on. The, came on. I bolted across the room, and she agreed to dance with me. I had one dance, and that just sent me over the moon. I didn't get her phone number, but I did find out where she worked. <laughs> and so I, and so I, I stalked, I mean, I went, <laughs> that's not the right word, so I went and I sat outside of her work for one hour. See, I was, I was trying to come up with a reason, an explanation as to why I would accidentally bump into her at La Senza <laughs> in the Cornwall. So I was, I was trying to think, how am I going to do this? So for that hour, I, was, I came up with something. And I went in there like, oh, hey, what, what are you doing? Hey, maybe we should go for coffee sometime. And and she fell for it. And I and and then and then we went on our first date. And she fell in love with me. And the rest is history. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I was not a smooth operator in those days. Um, but, but I had to pursue. I had to pursue. That's, to me, that's loving God with all of our strength. And so we pursue him because he pursued us. Do we understand? There's, that's, that's the response. That's the response. And, and that actually brings me to the most important thing that I think I'm going to say today. Okay, this is it. Loving God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength starts with Him. It doesn't start with you. Okay, I'm going to say it one more time. I'm going to say it the way I wrote it. Loving God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength doesn't start with you. It starts with Him. Okay, let me, let, me, let me explain that a bit. So 1 John 4.10 says, This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Look at 1 John 4.19. We love because he first loved us. So we love God in response to his love for us. So where does it begin? Loving God begins with him. 
It begins with his love. It begins with relationship with God the Father. See, the more we understand his love, the more we will love him. But many Christians believe that loving God starts with them. They believe it starts with their own efforts and performance. Do you know what many believers' common response to this kind of message I'm giving today is feelings of guilt and shame. Because they walk away from this message and they walk away from today thinking, man, I need to work harder. That doesn't describe my relationship with God. I gotta, I gotta work harder. I gotta do more. I gotta do better. I'm letting God down. I'm not a good Christian. I need to read the Bible more. I need to pray more. I need to go to church more. And what's so sad is I think so many of us have been conditioned to beat ourselves up like that. But if our relationship with God is law-driven, if it's performance-based, we'll never be satisfied in our relationship because we'll never be able to do enough. We'll never be able to meet his standards. But we'll just be in that endless cycle of striving and then failing and then feeling guilty. And because we feel guilty, now we strive harder and now we fail harder. And now we feel even more guilt and shame. See, that was the law of the Old Testament. Look at Romans 5.20. The law was given so that sin would increase. NLT version says, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. It didn't make them more righteous. It just made them more aware That they need a savior. That was the purpose of the law. It's to show them that they can't meet God's standards of holiness and righteousness on their own. So Jesus was the only one that could fulfill the law. He's the only one that could meet God's standard of holiness. That's why he's the only sacrifice that could save us from our sin. That's why he's the only way to God the Father. That's why. So we don't have to strive more to love God better. That's religion. That's not relationship. Loving God is not experienced in striving. No relationship's going to grow by forcing it. No relationships or healthy relationships are nurtured under stress or performance pressure of performance. Jesus didn't die, so we're going to be bound to a law of works again. Are are you hearing what I'm saying today? But Jesus died so we can have a new relationship with God the Father under a new law of love and grace. Hallelujah. This is an important teaching point here. Loving God is not about striving in our own self-efforts, but about simply learning who he is and his love toward you. That's how we love God better. That's how we love God better. This is how we do it. This is how we love God with our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. 
It has to come out of our relationship. It has to come from his love and his grace. Right? How many of you know that we don't have to earn his love? That we already have it. We already have it. Do you know that when you pray, you don't have to try and impress God? Did you know that? We don't, we don't pray just so we can check off our I'm a good Christian today list. That's not why we pray, right? But it's out of our relationship with the one who loves us the most. A pastor once shared about when he first got saved that, that another fellow Christian told him, well, if you're going to be a Christian, then all Christians have to pray for one hour a day. And, and so he thought right away, okay, well, this is my, it's going to be easy because I'm a new Christian, but this is my duty and obligation as a Christian. I'm going to do that. And so, and so he started his devotions with God at six o'clock and read the Bible and things like that. And then at seven o'clock, he'd start this hour of prayer. But, but before he did that, he thought to himself, you know what, if God is impressed if I pray for one hour, then how impressed is he going to be if I pray for two hours and even three hours? And so he started to do this. He'd have at six o'clock was his devotion, seven o'clock. He'd start praying for between one to three hours. He did this for months and he was miserable because he was doing this out of religious obligation it wasn't out of relationship it wasn't a response to the love of God and so he thought I better have a conversation with God about this God listen I I gotta be honest with you you know we have my devotions and then you know the prayer times at seven but around 6 30 God I just start dreading my prayer time with you and he felt so bad saying this to God. And right away he felt God say it in his, in his heart, actually I start dreading it by six o'clock. <laughs> See, God doesn't enjoy it either. Right? When, when we're just doing stuff out of religious, law-driven, performance-based duty but he wants us to respond to his love. Right? If you don't have joy and get energy and refreshment in loving God in your prayer life, in reading the Bible and worship, then it's probably not motivated by relationship. It's probably not motivated by his love. Because loving God is going to energize you. It's going to bring you refreshment. It's going to bring you joy. There's nothing wrong with praying for hours when it's about relationship with the Father. But when it becomes legalistic, ugh, it's no fun. It's no fun. You know, prayer is also not about filling the air with words so that you can feel good about getting your quota of words in, again, checking off that I'm such a good Christian thing so you can appease your guilty feelings because you don't think you're praying enough. You don't think you're being a good enough Christian. 
How many of you can attest that some of the best prayer times is when there's no words at all? In the stillness of God's presence, when you're just quiet before the Lord. We know Psalm 46:10, be still and know that I am God. I mean, God tells us, be still, be still. Then you're gonna know me. Then you're gonna know me. Then you're gonna know my love. Be still. Pastor once said this, busyness is artificial significance. You could maybe even say busyness in prayer. You don't realize his love until there is stillness. We can receive our best inspirations when we're sleeping or just waking up. You know, last night I, I was working on my message during the day and, and I was getting a little frustrated with this message. <laughs> it wasn't coming together. And, and uh, so I had the whole evening and I took my, my son out for supper and he asked me how my message was going. I said, well, I'm struggling with a little bit. It's not really coming together. And he said, oh, okay, are you gonna work on it tonight? And I said, no, sometimes you just gotta wait until the morning. And you know, the first thing when I woke up this morning at 5.30, <laughs> two words, God dropped two words into my spirit as soon as I woke up. Do you know what they were? Valley praise. Once I heard valley praise, then it all made sense and it started to come together. Isn't that amazing? Because you see, in the morning or when you're sleeping, you don't have all the anxiety and the stress of the day yet. Right? We're still in that place where we're like, open and ready to hear. How many of you can, can attest that, that, that God's maybe woken you up in the night to tell you something? Anybody? You ever wonder why God chooses three in the morning? It seems like every testimony starts at three in the morning, God woke me up. I don't know why, what happens at three in the morning, but I think it's the time where we're most susceptible to the voice and the presence of God. I don't know. Right? But you know what else hasn't set in? Our agenda for prayer. Sometimes when we come to our prayer life with God, we come with an agenda, and it's, it, that agenda prevents real communion and connection and prevents what God actually wanted to say to you that day because we got our agenda going into prayer. Right? And we just start going into all of our problems. And start giving the list of all the things that God's, you know, dragging his heels on. <laughs> one pastor I know, she said uh, one time she went into prayer with her agenda. She started praying all of her problems. And God just stopped her and said, hold on a second. Do you want a fellowship with me or do you want a fellowship with your problems? <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Prayer and reading the Bible, that's another one that we, that, that I think we, we, we sometimes we feel guilty about or we, it's a performance-based thing. We're like, I don't read my Bible enough. And I think the main purpose and our main mindset in reading the Bible, it should not be what does this scripture mean for me, but it should be what does this scripture say 
and tell me about God and his love. Because the more we know about God, the more we know about how much he loves us, the more we're going to respond to that love and the more we're going to love him better. So how do we love God with our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength? Just get to know God more. Just get to know his love more. Respond out of your love, out of his love for you. So you know what? I want to do that right now. We're gonna, I'm, I'm going to play a video. And actually, I don't think I said this, Megan. Can we start the video at 50 seconds? Can we do that? Okay. So we're going to, I'm going to play this video. And, and, and so what I want you to do is I want you to listen to the word of God. I want you to listen. This is called the Father's uh, Love Letter. The words you are about to experience are true. They will change your life if you let them. So I just want you to listen to, to, to the Father's heart here. And I just want us to grow in our capacity to love God more by learning his love. Okay? And then after, uh, we're going to close our service in an act, I should say, a response of loving God by worshiping. Does that sound good? So we're going to grow our capacity to love him, and then we're going to respond to that love with worship. Amen.